It's series 14 of our media cast. Stay tuned for the last 10 minutes where we overview our current, future and past series. This one is on Euro 2024 qualifying. We're looking at Group J, Portugal, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Iceland, Luxembourg, Slovakia and Liechtenstein. Here we go. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada, Series 14. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And today we're looking at Group J uh, for Euro 2024 qualifying. This is our last group. Uh, and this group includes Portugal, Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, Iceland, uh, Luxembourg, Slovakia, and Liechtenstein. Right. And in this series, we've uh, been saving the information about the media cast until the end. So stay tuned at the end for info about our past and current series and upcoming series too. Uh, but meanwhile, let's get on with this group. Yeah. So this series features a deep dive into the history of Euro Cup qualifying for each of the teams. And we'll cover the usual information. Yeah. So let's look at the three sections we'll cover in this uh, podcast. So part one, we're going to introduce the teams in the group. Uh, part two is the longest part, and we will do an in-depth team-by-team uh, overview of their history, and as Connor said, featuring a deep dive into Euro qualifying history. And then part three will be a comparison of the teams, uh, of their ranking, head-to-head record, their odds, and we'll end with a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. All right. Uh, before we begin, tell me something that'll get me uh, interested in this group. Okay, uh, I have one word for you, and it is trajectories. Trajectories, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> but uh, uh, there are teams with uh, different trajectories. I'd say, honestly, Portugal kind of remains at a high, uh, steady uh, uh, steady level. But uh, most of the other teams are kind of either on a downward trajectory or uh, an upper trajectory doing better in recent times. That's all I'm going to say. Great. We'll uh, get into it. All right. Let's uh, begin then with uh, part one, an overview of the team. So a little geographical and demographical info. Yeah, starting with Portugal. Uh, their nickname is the Selecao or the national team. Uh, Portugal is a population of 10.3 million people, uh, and it shares the Iberian Peninsula with Spain. Uh, so it's the country in the furthest southwestern part of Europe. All right. Next is uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Bosnia's nickname is the Dragons. Uh, it has a population of 3.2 million people. Uh, it's a former member of Yugoslavia and is located in the Balkan uh, region of southeastern Europe. And it's bordered by Croatia to the north and west, and then Serbia and Montenegro to the east. All right. Third team is Iceland. Iceland, uh, their nickname uh, is Our Boys. Um, it has a population of 370,000, so pretty small. Um, and it's a volcanic island uh, to the far northwest of Europe. In fact, it's closer to Greenland than it is to the rest of Europe. Ah, interesting. And I noticed you didn't brave saying their nickname in, in Icelandic. Come on, Connor. All right. Well, you put me on the spot. Strakomir Ocker. Uh, sounds, what it is in Icelandic, or something to that effect. Yeah, it sounded good to me. Uh, we may have uh, praise from the Icelanders or the or criticism. Uh, the fourth team is Luxembourg. Luxembourg, their nickname is the Lions. Uh, they're also pretty small, uh, 640,000 people. 
Um, and it's a small landlocked country um, in a corner of Europe where Belgium, Germany, and France all meet. Okay, fifth team, Slovakia. Slovakia, their nickname is Sokoli or the Falcons. Um, they have a population of 5.4 million people. And it's a landlocked country really right in the middle of Europe, uh, surrounded by Czech Republic, uh, with whom it formed Czechoslovakia, uh, and also by Poland, Ukraine, Hungary, and Austria. Oh, and uh, we have six teams in this group, so the last one is Liechtenstein. Uh, Liechtenstein, they're known as the Blue Reds, reference to their flag in colors. Uh, they uh, have a population of just 39,000, so really small. Mm -hmm. And it's a mountainous microstate uh, sandwiched between Switzerland and Austria. All right. Well, we have six teams, so let's just uh, review that kind of in comparison with each other. Yeah, so the biggest uh, country is Portugal with 10.3 million people. Um, it's roughly uh, twice as big as Slovakia, which is next, at 5.4 million people. Um, Bosnia is third with 3.2 million. And then we actually have three countries uh, in the group or half of the teams that have a population of under a million people. Um, Luxembourg has 640,000 and it's only the third smallest. Uh, Iceland is 370,000, uh, which is still about 10 times as large as tiny Liechtenstein at 39,000. Yeah, 39,000, uh, not even a full stadium there. That's right. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to part two then, the end of the history section. Uh, and at the end, uh, a look at their recent form. We start with Portugal and uh, their participation and achievement. So first international game was in 1921. And in terms of participation, they're one of the most consistent teams. Uh, they missed the World Cup in 1930, but participated constantly in that tournament since. And they actually entered uh, the first Euro Cup, unlike a lot of teams, and they have never missed an edition. Uh, do you want to take us through their main achievements? Yeah, so they, they are a force in recent, or that they are a force in recent time, belies the fact that they were a minor team in the previous century. Uh, they reached the World Cup only twice in the previous century in 1966 and 1986. It's the same as the Euro Cup, as they qualified only once from 1960 to 1992, uh, reaching the Cup in 1984, which parallels their 1986 World Cup appearance. Uh, from 1996 uh, in the Euro Cup and 2000 in the World Cup, uh, they've actually never failed to qualify. Uh, they've generally done better in the Euro Cup play, uh, and that shows in their best results. Uh, third place in the 1966 World Cup uh, but first in the 2016 Euro Cup, their first title win. All right, and we'll take a bit of a closer look at, at uh, both Cups in an overview of the uh, World Cup. So um, in the World Cup, they didn't come close to qualifying before 1966, but they made an indelible impression with their third place finish uh, that year. Uh, Eusebio uh, stole the spotlight with a thunderous nine goals, helping them to a third place finish. They had several close qualifications after that, but 1986 was the only time they made it and they didn't pass the group stage. But a generation, a golden generation led by Luis Figo, had already made themselves known in the Euro Cup and uh, they were in fact a bit slow to make uh, their impression in the World Cup. But they qualified consistently from 2002 and they peaked in 2006 when they finished fourth 
And they did well actually renewing themselves uh, generation after generation, really, with superstar uh, Cristiano, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo leading the campaigns that got them consistently to the cup and usually saw them pass the group stage. On to the Euro Cup. Yeah, so the Euro Cup runs on a parallel track, although there was no 1960s qualification uh, to match the 1966 World Cup success. They came close several times, but succeeded in qualifying only in 1984. As in 1966, they made the best of it with a semi-final finish, but they did not qualify for the following two cups. Their golden generation kicked off quite a bit earlier in the Euro Cup. They not only qualified for every cup since 1996, but passed the group stage every time, a consistency that eluded them on World Cup play. Uh, a peak in 2000 and 2004, uh, with the semi-final and second place finish respectively, uh, justified their golden generation. An even higher peak in 2012 and 2016, with another semi-final win and then a title win, uh, was a testament to Ronaldo and their constant renewal of a strong squad. That's right. All right, let's uh, jump into our jump into our deep dive. That doesn't make sense, but uh, I will forge on mm -hmm. nevertheless. Uh, they joined the Euro Cup, as we said, from its first edition in 1960, but they failed to reach the Cup uh, until their seventh attempt in 1984. Portugal beat East Germany twice in the first of two knockout rounds of qualification in 1960 um, and beat Yugoslavia in the first game of round two. However, a 5-1 away loss in the second leg uh, was a chastening end to their first campaign. Uh, 1968 was even more so, um, sorry, 1964 was even more so, given they were coming off a third place finish in the World Cup. Uh, in the first of three knockout rounds, they exchanged 3-1 home wins with Bulgaria. A further game was necessary to decide a winner, and in the neutral ground of Rome, uh, Bulgaria won 1-0. Yeah, we got a bit mixed up in the script there because uh, it was uh, 1968 that came after their World Cup success. But uh, that one began with the group stage uh, qualification as the uh, qualification for Euro Cups turned to group stage. And uh, once again, Portugal faced Bulgaria. And once again, they were bested and finished second behind them. And it was a similar uh, second place finish behind Belgium in 1972. Yeah, and things only got worse from there. A competitive campaign in 1976 saw them tying three games uh, with Czechoslovakia and England, but they were thrashed 5-0 by group winners Czechoslovakia in the away leg and finished behind both of them. It was also third place in 1980, the year the Cup expanded to eight teams, but it could have been better but for losing their final two games to Austria and Scotland. Mm. Well, 1984 was their first successful campaign, and they finished first over USSR, uh, and away lost to them only uh, the only dropped points there. Uh, beating Poland, who were coming to the end of their strong per period, was promising. Uh, 1988, though, was an odd campaign, earning only three ties at home, but winning two of their four road games. Uh, they lost both legs there to group winner Italy, but finished in third behind Sweden despite besting them. 1992 saw them winning all games at home, but they were poor on the road and finished behind Netherlands. 1996 was the year the Cup expanded to 16 teams, and that, 
combined with a golden generation, uh, which, which renewed itself several times over, meant they wouldn't miss another cup. 1996 itself uh, had them finishing fully six points ahead of second place Ireland in a solid campaign. Uh, and then an identical record of seven wins and two ties and one loss in 2000, uh, bought them only second place behind a rampant Romania. Uh, a tie with Azerbaijan was a bit disappointing there, but uh, second place was enough to qualify them directly. That's right. Uh, after qualifying automatically as host in 2004, uh, they qualified uh, directly in second place again in 2008, bested there by first place Poland, and tying six of their 14 games, uh, including Finland twice and Armenia once, um, but again, still making it to the tournament. Yeah, and it was second again in uh, 2012, uh, finishing behind Denmark and narrowly ahead of uh, Norway, uh, but this time, second place required a playoff to reach the cup. So they won this over Bosnia-Herzegovina, who they meet here, uh, just as they had in World Cup uh, 2010 qualifying two years prior. And 2016 started with a loss at home to Albania, and they fired their manager. Uh, it turned out to be to good effect as they went on to win all games and finish a commanding first. All right, so that's the uh, uh, deep dive, but we take a closer look at the Euro 2020 Cup, the most recent tournament. Yeah, so they started qualifying, uh, the qualifying campaign with two home draws, one against Ukraine, uh, who eventually bested them, and the other against Serbia, who finished third. Um, but they, otherwise, they beat Luxembourg and Lithuania to finish second in the qualifying group, um, which was enough to qualify automatically. They were drawn into a tough group in the tournament, uh, but won their opening game against Hungary. They then lost heavily to Germany and tied France uh, to finish third in the group stage, um, but first among third-place finishers, so that was an advancing spot. Third place, however, paired them with a tough opponent in Belgium in the round of 16, and a loss there sent them out of the tournament. Um, disappointing exit for uh, defending champions, Portugal. Yeah, in a way, but... Um... You know, I mean, in a lot of these qualifications, they're finishing second. And then in a lot of the group stages of tournaments, they're, they're advancing to the next round by finishing third. I think it was the same in, in 2016. So um, would you consider them kind of a, a first-tier team? I, I think probably the fact that they have a recent title win in the Euros pro probably justifies it. Um, but you're right, you make a good point. Um, you know, even even in their title win, they weren't um, kind of dominant or rampant through the whole tournament. They took a bit of time to get going. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we we're a little off topic there. Let's see how they did in the 2022 World Cup. Um, they had a solid uh, opening to their qualifying campaign, uh, but faltered a bit at the end, uh, tying in Ireland, who they'd only beaten at home uh, with an amazing comeback. Uh, that was in their second last game. And then they lost to Serbia at home in the final game and bested by them, finished a second in the qualifying group. Uh, that was quite a dramatic, uh, dramatic match. Mm -hmm. um, this brought uh, Portugal to a playoff series where they beat Turkey uh, in a match much closer than uh, actually the 3-1 scoreline suggests. And then they beat North Macedonia, who had shocked Italy um, to reach the cup. Um, so at the World Cup, Portugal won their first two games over Ghana and Uruguay in the group stage. 
um, and finished first in the group stage despite a loss to Korea on a, South Korea on an injury time goal in their third match. They crushed Switzerland 6-1 in an excellent performance in the round of 16 and really looked set to go far until they suffered uh, a surprise 1-0 loss to Morocco in the quarterfinals. Pretty dramatic tournament there. Yeah. All right, let's finish with a look at their uh, recent UEFA Nations League campaign in 2022-23. There they were in uh, League A. Yes, they were. Um, uh, League A with rivals Spain and then also Switzerland and Czech Republic. Um, Portugal had three wins, um, a draw and a loss going into their final match, a winner-take-all against uh, Spain, but Portugal lost at home. So they finished second in the group uh, behind Spain, who finished first. Um, But Portugal will remain in League A for the upcoming tournament. All right. Um, We're going to finish with just a quick look at their players. So uh, Portugal continues to produce top-quality players, and any fear of them dropping after the current generation, especially Ronaldo, uh, after the current generation ages out seems uh, unnecessary. Of course, uh, Ronaldo at 38 uh, years old, uh, and with Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia, which is kind of a retirement club for him, I think we can agree. Uh, he's the main focus. But along with him, 38-year-old keeper Rui Patricio and uh, defender Pepe, who's now 40, as well as 36-year-old Jao Moutinho, are uh, not sure bets for the next cup, although they do continue playing. Uh, oddly, the only announced retirement is that of 20, 29-year-old Rafa Silva, uh, but existing talent is impressive, and it would just be a roll call here to, to name them all. But uh, n- new talent keeps coming in. Uh, 20-year-old uh, Nuno Mendes of Paris Saint-Germain, 21-year-old uh, Goncalo Ramos, who impressed at the World Cup, and then several top 23- or 24-year-olds who've already made a name for themselves uh, at the club or international level or both. They just keep producing uh, gems, Connor. Yeah, really, and and they're uh, a much smaller country than you know Spain, Germany, England, France, Italy, some of the the traditional giants. So yeah, the uh, the amount of talent they produce for a country of their size is remarkable. Yeah, I mean it was always a fear, you know, when that first golden generation aged out. Oh, they're going to go back to being weak, and no, they kept going with Ronaldo kind of leading the way. And now that Ronaldo's retiring, they still seem to have. Uh, a lot of talent to draw from. I think that's the main thing. I, I don't think Ronaldo's retirement is going to affect them as much as people may think because there's so much talent there and young talent to uh, to kind of, uh, you know, fill the booth to, to a degree. Yeah, you bet. We're not supposed to be talking about it yet. But anyway, we should probably uh, save that discussion until the end and move on with the history. Uh, team 2, Bosnia-Herzegovina. So uh, if we begin with their participation and achievements, and um, their first international game was in 1993, uh, following the breakup of Yugoslavia, and they made up only 19.5% of the pre-1992 Yugoslavia, and they have no official claim to those records. Uh, Serbia comprised 40%, and they carry that mantle of Yugoslavia forward. And actually, it took Bosnia-Herzegovina until 1998 to enter their first competition, but they have uh, participated consistently in both cups since. 
All right, in terms of achievement, they successfully qualified for the 2014 World Cup. Uh, that was in a strong period from 2010 to 16, where they regularly reached the UEFA playoff. Otherwise, they finished uh, in the bottom half of the table in half their campaigns. All right, let's take a bit of a closer look at their World Cup then. And uh, they were getting get, uh, getting closer and closer to qualifying for a cup before they actually reached the World Cup in 2014. They were a bottom half of the table team from their first qualification in 1998 until 2006. But from then, they improved steadily, uh, reaching a UEFA playoff in 2010 uh, and then qualifying. But they have slid backwards since, finishing fourth of five in uh, 2022 World Cup qualification. Uh, Euro Cup play shows the same pattern, but less successful. Uh, they remained in the bottom half of the table until 2008, uh, then reached the playoff twice in 2012 and 16, but losing both times. Here too, they slid backwards afterwards though, uh, reaching a, a playoff structure through the UEFA Nations League uh, in 2020, but that masked the fact that they finished fourth in their group. Okay, well, let's take a look at their Euro Cup qualifying history in detail. So we said that uh, even though they uh, played their first international game in 1993, they didn't make it to the 1996 Euro Cup uh, qualifying. And so their first tournament was in 2000. And um, uh, they earned no points against the top teams there, but they were competitive with the teams below. Uh, three teams uh, tying on 11 points there. Uh, so Estonia, Bosnia, Herzegovina and Lithuania. And they finished uh, sandwiched in the middle uh, fourth uh, place uh, there. 2004 began poorly with two losses, but they only lost once uh, over their last six games. They bested group winner Denmark and only two points separated the top four teams. However, they were uh, they found themselves at the bottom of that pile. Yes, and it was fourth place once again in 2008 in a, in a bigger group. Um, this was a weak qualification, actually finishing fully 10 points behind uh, third place Norway. The campaign finished with four losses, including uh, a loss at home to Moldova. Yikes. Uh, 2012 was far more convincing as they exchanged home wins with third place Romania, but finished ahead of them uh, thanks to a consistent campaign which ended with a draw in France. Their second place finish took them to a playoff with Portugal, uh, which they lost, tying at home but defeated 6-2 away. All right. And uh, finally, in 2016, they were competitive, tying winners Belgium and besting second place Wales. However, losses to Cyprus and Israel landed them in third place. That was good enough, though, for a playoff spot to the Cup, which uh, now expanded from 16 to 24 teams. And there, they once again tied the first leg at home, only to lose away. And uh, once again, one step short of reaching the Cup. That uh, playoff loss was to Ireland, by the way. Yeah, some near misses. Yeah. Uh, let's see their Euro Cup 2020 campaign, their most recent Euro Cup in more detail. Yeah, so Bosnia lost only to group winners Italy at home, but their only road points uh, was a win over bottom finishers Liechtenstein. Uh, they actually lost all the others on their road. Um, they exchanged home wins with second place Finland and fifth place Armenia, but were bested by uh, third place Greece 
and finished fourth of six in the qualifying group. They nevertheless qualified for the playoffs due to their performance in the 2019-20 Euro Nations League, even though third place Greece did not. Uh, but they lost at home on penalties to Northern Ireland uh, in the semifinals there. All right, so the Irish knocking them out in playoffs. Uh, let's take a look at their World Cup 2022 campaign. Uh, this time, they actually did far better on the road than at home, so a reversal. Mm -hmm. um, they earned only a draw with Kazakhstan uh, at home, uh, but went undefeated on their travels, beating Kazakhstan and tying France, Ukraine, and Finland, uh, which were the teams that finished above them. Um, but it all added up to fourth place uh, out of five in their qualifying group. Yeah, pretty odd campaign there, hey? Yeah, very. One point at home. Very surprising. Yeah, <laughs> and six points on the road. Uh, well, let's see how they fared in their 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League campaign. They were in Group B there. Group B. Um, and they flipped again. This time they won all at home, um, but failed to win on the road. Um their only loss, though, was in their final game in Romania. And uh, Bosnia finished first place in a tight group, uh, four points from first to, to fourth. Um, but Bosnia finished three points ahead of second and were promoted to League A. Okay, so that's um, uh, uh, kind of confusing, actually, because they've really uh, been in decline, and then that was a good performance. So not sure where that leaves us with Bosnia-Herzegovina. Uh, we'll finish uh, the section with a comment on their players. So, Edin Zeko uh, is age 37 now, but he's still playing for AC Milan. And 29-year-old Siad uh, Colin... Uh, help! Siad Kolasinac. Oh, well done. Okay. Uh, those are their biggest names. And many others play for respectable clubs, like uh, Sheffield United, uh, Ferenc Varos in Hungary and Standard Liège in Belgium. Uh, many in the starting lineup are actually in their prime between 25 and 30. And they also have a couple of promising 20-year-olds with Red Bull, Salzburg and Roma. Uh, there are only three, three other players below 25, so uh, they will need to develop that. But for the time being, they look a solid enough squad. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of Bosnia-Herzegovina, and we're going to move on to our third team, Iceland, uh, beginning with their participation and achievements. So their first international game was in 1946, uh, but their participation in tournaments was spotty at first, entering the World Cup in 1958 and the Euro Cup in 1964, but then uh, disappearing in the mid-1970s. Uh, from 1974, though, they have participated consistently. Uh, the expanded 2016 Euro Cup was the first tournament uh, that they qualified for, uh, but that found them in a period of strength, and they would have qualified without the expansion, uh, proving it by also reaching the 2018 World Cup. Uh, they were weak prior to 2014, uh, finishing only two campaigns in the top half of the table. 1994 World Cup qualifying and 2004 Euro Cup qualifying. And as quickly as they rose, they seemed to have fallen uh, with a fifth or sixth place finish in the 2022 World Cup qualification. All right. So another team of uh, kind of trajectory, uh, trajectory interest. There's kind of going down. Actually, what did you make of Bosnia-Herzegovina's trajectory? How would you define that? I would say in general going down 
uh, from kind of the peak of their their impressive World Cup qualification. Um, the Nations League kind of throws that into into doubt a little bit. It wasn't the uh, the strongest league B, I have to say. Um, and we'll see if reality will hit going into League A. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a lot of correlation between uh, Nations League performance and then performances in qualifying uh, with with a lot of teams we've noticed. Yeah, and I think there's um, you know, with only you know groups of four teams, you um, you may not have kind of the uh, the length of campaign to kind of prove a consistency. And, and some groups may be weaker, some groups may be stronger. I think it's um, you know, there is a bit more luck of the draw involved in the Nations League. I have to say. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, on we go with uh, Iceland's World Cup overview. So for most of their history, uh, they're more aptly described as a spoiler team rather than a contender. They did lose all games in their opening campaign in 1974, but have taken a few points in all others, uh, often from higher ranked teams. But they have often finished at the bottom of the table, even as recently as 2010. Uh, 1994 was the only time they they finished in the top half of the table until the period of strength from 2014 where they reached a UEFA playoff and followed that up with a successful qualification. Uh, Returning to a fifth of sixth place finish in 2022 though um, feels like the end of an era. All right. Uh, the record is similar in Euro Cups, with one campaign in 1980 seeing them lose all games, but usually earning their smattering of points with a sprinkling of spoiler results, uh, and a little more so than in World Cup play. Here, the one campaign where they finished in the top half of the table was in 2004, and here too they had two recent campaigns that were strong. Their sole cup appearance taking them all the way to the quarterfinals, uh, marked with the celebration that stuck, the iconic Icelandic clap. Yes, uh, who can forget that? Hey, it's still in use. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take our deep dive into Euro Cup qualifying. So their first entry in the Euro was the second edition in 1964. Uh, qualification there featured three knockout rounds, but they didn't survive the first. They were bested by Ireland. And uh, they didn't enter the following two editions, but they did return in 1976 to a group format of qualification, and there they bested East Germany and tied a poorly performing France, uh, but they finished in last behind third place France. Mm -hmm. Uh, 1980 was the only Euro qualification where they lost all games. In fairness though, it was a tough group with Netherlands and Poland at peaks in their career, and East Germany almost keeping pace with them. Uh, they finished fifth uh, behind uh, fourth place Switzerland. Yes. Uh, well, 1984 saw them tie the Netherlands, but they barely finished above Malta, uh, losing away to them. Uh, that draw spoiled uh, the draw with Netherlands spoiled the campaign of the Netherlands, who finished tied on points and on goals with Spain. Uh, goal difference, I should say, with Spain, who were the team to advance. Uh, such a campaign uncompetitive in the top half of the table but affecting matters there with spoiler results would be the typical campaign for Iceland. Yeah in 1988 they opened with home draws over France and USSR uh, to finish above Norway who they beat twice. Uh, 1992 saw them beat Spain at home and exchange home wins with Albania uh, who they finished ahead of. 
Um, a tie in the second last game with Turkey in 1996 uh, prevented Turkey uh, from topping the group, uh, although the expanded tournament did see Turkey go through. Um, an away draw with Sweden and a home win over Hungary, um, impressive as they were, did not prevent Iceland from finishing last. Yes, uh, 2000 was more competitive, uh, far more competitive, and it began uh, a period of relative strength for them. Uh, taking points off the top three finishers in the first half of the campaign, they then lost to each of them in the last half and finished fourth of six with 15 points. Uh, 2004 was a bit less impressive. Um, they came third of five there, but they did uh, earn a home tie with Germany, and that was the only spoiler result, although consistency over the weak teams below earned them their only finish in the top half of the table. Uh, that was followed by a weak period, and in 2008, they finished 6th of 7. Uh, nevertheless, they earned some spoiler results, besting third place Northern Ireland and time group winner Spain. There were no such spoiler results in 2012, as the only points they earned were besting Cyprus, who they finished ahead of. Yes, and that weak result uh, added contrast to their tremendous 2016 campaign, they won six of their first seven games on the way to a second-place finish. Uh, the campaign actually ended poorly with home draws against Kazakhstan and Latvia, followed by a loss in Turkey. Uh, nevertheless, they reached their first cup by finishing second in the group and went all the way to the quarterfinals. That's right, famously knocking out England uh, on the way. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, let's see how they fared in the Euro Cup uh, 2020 campaign. Uh, they lost both games of qualifying, um, or to qualifying group winner France, uh, but otherwise won all their home games. Uh, they bested Turkey, uh, but finished behind them in third place uh, because of a loss in Albania, uh, who finished fourth. They were consistent over Andorra and last place Moldova. Um, so they, it was third out of six, but their Nations Cup record afforded them an opportunity uh, to qualify through the playoffs. They won the semi-final leg at home to Romania and looked to win the final on a single goal until they capitulated to Hungary, allowing an equalizer at 88 and a knockout goal at 92. Ouch. So, such yeah. a tough way to go out. Yeah. So, yeah, that would have been their third, uh, their third tournament in a row um, there. But um, let's see how they did in World Cup 2022. Yeah, it was a very poor showing. Uh, they came in as a third seed, but they finished fifth of six in the qualifying group. Uh, they managed wins over Liechtenstein, who they meet here, and otherwise tied North Macedonia and Armenia at home, as well as Romania away. Um, but they were bested by all three. So, um, yeah, a fifth place, but a distant fifth. Yeah, behind Armenia, uh, fifth of six. Wow. Uh, okay, let's turn to the 2022 UEFA Nations League campaign, and there they were in uh, League B. Yeah, uh, they only had three teams. Uh, they were due to play Russia, but Russia were um, disqualified for their invasion of Ukraine. So that left them in a group with just Israel and Albania. And Iceland actually tied all four of their games, um, and that left them, perhaps predictably, as second out of third. Um, so they will remain in League B. Uh, for the for the upcoming tournament. Yeah, a bit of a missed opportunity there, uh, I would say, but maybe indicative of their uh, general weakening. 
yeah, I think their trajectory is is uh, is downward, as as you mentioned. That that World Cup campaign was kind of um, the most recent one was more um, kind of typical of what what you saw before their rise, before their qualifications. So they yeah. might kind of be returning to historical average. Yeah, well, let's see the, if we can see that uh, in the quick overview of players. So uh, a handful of the strong generation that gave them that uh, success from 2014 to 2020 remain. Uh, most notably, uh, Connor, their captain, Aaron Gunnarsson, who I can't remember what club he played for, actually. All right, Cardiff City, yeah. <laughs> right. One of my uh, he, favorites. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's uh, 34 years old, um, and he's kind, kind of playing retirement soccer in Qatar, but still going. Um, the players that remain, though, they lack the affiliations of the generation, the strong generation. Uh, Burnley and Copenhagen are probably the biggest clubs represented now. Um, others are at the level of, like, Panathinaikos in Greece, Elfsborg in Sweden, and Genoa. Uh, in Italy. So they don't lack young players coming through, uh, although all of these are with minor clubs at this point. Yeah, well, we saw they have a small population. They're actually the smallest country ever to qualify for a World Cup. Ah. Um, and I believe the Euros as well. So just harder for a small country to generate kind of the golden generation, um, you know, as they as they did for a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit sad to see them go down. But I mean, uh, I mean, they they were a weak team because of their small size. So at least they had uh, they had a moment in the sun there, for sure. Okay, let's move on to our fourth team, uh, Luxembourg, who have an impressively long history. Their first international was in 1911, and uh, amazingly, they've entered almost every World Cup and Euro Cup except for the first one in both. So that's 1930 World Cup and 1960 Euro Cup, the only tournaments they were missing. Uh, do you want to take us through their achievements? Yeah, so uh, due to its small size, it's always been one of the weakest teams in Europe. Uh, however, they remain very weak. Uh, apart from their first Euro Cup campaign in 1964, where they almost qualified for the four-team tournament, uh, they've always finished last or one step above last in their qualifying groups. However, results and scorelines at the game level have been improving since 2010. So uh, would you agree upward trajectory for Luxembourg? Yeah, I mean, at a, at a fairly low level, but definitely like some of their recent, uh, some of their recent results are pretty impressive for such a small country. But uh, you will be very impressed by their 1960 Euro Cup tournament here. Uh, when we get to it, but we'll begin actually, or we'll move on to a World Cup overview before we get to that. And uh, after entering the first World Cup qualification in 1934, they enjoyed their first points in 1962. Uh, that was with a win over Portugal, who they meet here. And their second win, um, their second points was a win over Turkey in 1974. Uh, ties with Belgium in 1990 and Iceland in 94 uh, were all the points they got until 2010, where they earned, um, or from which time they've earned five points or more in every campaign, including some spoiler results. So that year, uh, 2010, also saw them finish above last place for the first time. So whereas they had finished behind 
uh, teams like Faroe Islands and Liechtenstein in, in 2002 and 2006, uh, they have finished ahead of even stronger teams in recent times. So an away draw with eventual World Cup winners France in 2018 uh, was a big feather in their cap. You have to admire their sheer determinedness with only yeah. a few points in their early campaigns. They've been going at it for almost 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It must be discouraging uh, to lose so many games. All right, take us through the uh, Euro Cup overview before we do the deep dive. Uh, the first Euro Cup in 1964 was a very competitive campaign, uh, coming within a pencil scratch of the cup. And we'll talk about what that means. Mm. Uh, from then, though, it was a single tie or all losses in all campaigns until 1996. Uh, that year saw them earn an impressive 10 points uh, that was only enough for second last ahead of Malta. And two campaigns of all losses followed. Similar to World Cup qualification, from 2012, they've earned four points uh, in each campaign. And in 2016, uh, finished above last place for the second time uh, since 1996 and repeated that feat in 2020 qualifying. Okay, all right. Are you looking for some meaning behind my uh, pencil scratch of the cup? Yeah, let's uh, get into the story. <laughs> There's nothing to do with pencils. I was just trying to write creatively. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a great story, 1964. And I think I said 1960 uh, before, but actually their first campaign was in 1964. And wow, what a competitive campaign. Uh, 1964 was a knockout qualification uh, consisting of two rounds and they bested Netherlands in the first and then faced Denmark in the second and uh, against Denmark they tied both legs and away goals was not a criteria at the time um, so they played a third and deciding game uh, on the neutral ground of the Netherlands actually the team they had beaten in the first round and sadly they lost uh, one nothing in what would by far be their closest brush with the cup uh, in their history. Uh, Luxembourg returned as a much weaker team in 1968 and would finish last in their group until 1996. Their second campaign saw them uh, earn a goalless draw with Poland for their only point. In 1972, it was a single tie in their away leg with group winner Yugoslavia. Yeah, 1976 saw them losing all games in the 14 group. And 1980, though, they had a 1-1 home draw with Sweden. Uh, in 1984, they lost all games once again. Uh, and that was a five-team group. Um, and 1988, uh, just a single draw in the final game against Scotland to earn their single point. 1992, uh, all losses again. 1996, however, was a better campaign, uh, thanks, thanks in part to the infusion of some similarly weak teams into UEFA. They were grouped with Malta and Belarus, giving them more opportunity for points. They earned six, uh, six points with two wins against Malta, um, but only managed to draw with Belarus and finished uh, second last behind them. Most impressive, though, was a home win over group winner Czech Republic. Uh, so they totaled 10 points in the campaign. Yeah, still second last, though. Uh, in 2000, the following campaigns actually in 2000 and 2004 saw them losing all games in their five-team groups. And they went through most of the 2008 uh, campaign 
with uh, losses until a win in Belarus near the end. Um, so that had them finishing uh, last in 2008 in a large group of seven teams, but they did get uh, one win there. Um, 2012, um, sorry, I'm a bit lost there. Uh, saw them uh, win over Albania and tie with Belarus, who they were grouped with again, but it still added up to a last place finish, last of six teams in that case. 2016 was very similar, a tie with Belarus yet again. Uh, they were grouped with them for the third Euro qualification in a row. Um, and they had a win over uh, Macedonia. This time, however, four points was enough to finish above last place, having done so only once before in 1996. Uh, though tied on points and with the worst overall goal difference in Macedonia, they finished ahead of them on the criterion of away goals in the games played between them. Yeah, so starting to finish uh, out of last place uh, over the last couple of campaigns. Let's see how they did in their most recent Euro Cup qualification in 2020. Yeah, so uh, Luxembourg bested Lithuania uh, to finish ahead of them, uh, fourth of five in qualifying. Uh, they earned no points on the teams above them, though, uh, Ukraine, Portugal, and Serbia. Um, but they had a very respectable goal record of seven scored and 16 against over their eight games. Yeah, that's just two goals against per game or and also scoring a goal almost every game. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see if they could keep that up in uh, World Cup 2022 qualifying. Uh, Luxembourg started their campaign with an away win in Ireland, um, but they otherwise only beat Azerbaijan twice uh, and lost all their other games. But it was a reasonably competitive campaign, uh, finishing fourth of five uh, in the qualifying group uh, but actually tied on point with Ireland, uh, who finished above them. Yeah, we weren't very happy about that one, were we? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, because we have uh, uh, Irish backgrounds. Uh, anyway, good for them, and let's see if they were able to keep it up in their 2022-23 UEFA Nations League campaign. They were in Group uh, or in League C there, so not the lowest league. That's right, and it started impressively with two away wins uh, in Lithuania and Faroe Islands. Uh, they then lost at home um, to Turkey, um, and then but they went undefeated in their remaining games, tying Faroe Islands at home and then tying Turkey 3-3 on the road um, before beating Lithuania in their final match. So uh, they had 11 points from their six games played. Um, it was actually uh, good enough for second place, but just two points uh, behind Turkey. Uh, so they'll remain in League C, but um, they were certainly competitive with the other teams there. Yeah, I mean, Turkey, uh, you've got to say, is kind of a tough team for League C. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, to score three away goals in Turkey. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, very respectable campaign. And I would say, uh, trajectory-wise, what would you say for uh, Luxembourg there? I would definitely say up. And I think, you know, we saw recent away wins um, in the Nations League, winning away in Lithuania and Faroe Islands. That shows some consistency against the other weak teams, but also the away, the away uh, win in Ireland. I mean, they're not just relying on home form. Uh, they're picking up points at home and on the road. So I think that definitely shows to some improvement um yeah good point i haven't noticed that away pattern but it, it, i think it counts for something for sure 
All right. Well, let's begin. Oh, sorry. Finish with a look at their players. So actually only a few of them play in Luxembourg, uh, with most playing for respectable, though not top level teams, uh, especially in Germany. So teams like Mainz and Borussia Mönchengladbach are the best of the uh, uh, German affiliations they have. And um, that's reflected in the level of teams in other parts of Europe that they play in. So Spartak Moscow in uh, Russia and, and Seska Sofia uh, in, I believe that's in Hungary, right? Or is it in Romania? Uh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria, right. Uh, you know, that level of team is uh, where they have a lot of players. And while they have several 33-year-olds in goal, uh, and in defense, the rest of the squad in the midfield and offense is uh, quite young in their 20s. And they also have several young players uh, with the two teams, uh, two German teams I mentioned above, Mainz and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Maybe they have some sort of an arrangement with those teams. I think the fact that they have a, a young squad and they're starting to get results um, points that the trajectory could actually continue uh, in, um, in that upward direction. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of things the players uh, uh, and the performance uh, look kind of promising, but um, you know I wouldn't say challenging at the top or anything, but uh, uh, definitely a spoiler team at least. Are you agreeing or disagreeing? I agree. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, surprisingly the top five team, Slovakia. I am curious to see what they did to deserve that. Um, their first international is a bit of a, a, a bit hard to define. Uh, just before World War II, it seemed uh, Germany created the Second Slovak Republic, uh, and that team played 16 games from 1939 to 1944. But whether you can call that their first international because they weren't fully independent. So uh, fully independent, their first international was 1994. That uh, that got a lot more complicated than I wanted it to get, Connor. Let's move on to their uh, uh, kind of at-a-glance World Cup. So uh, participation and achievement. So um, they reformed after the 1992 breakup of Czechoslovakia and played their first game in October of that year. And they can be said to share in Czechoslovakia's strong history. And uh, Slovakians themselves are anxious to point out, for example, that eight of the 11 starters in the 1976 Euro Cup final, uh, which they won, were Slovakian rather than Czech. Um, although officially it is the Czech Republic that carries uh, the Czechoslovakian team legacy forward. Uh, their first qualification campaign as Slovakia was in 1996 for the Euro Cup, and they've participated consistently in World and Euro Cups since then. Yeah, their, their forebears, Czechoslovakia, is a team with a, a strong, though intermittent record. Uh, Czechoslovakia was runner-up in two World Cups and quarter-finalists in two more, but from 1966, they qualified less than half the time, with 1990 being their only good year. Similarly, in the Euro Cup, they had uh, three successful years, uh, winning in it in 1976, but beyond 1980 did not qualify. For their part, Slovakia has reached one World Cup in 2010, where they passed the group stage, uh, and reached the Euro Cup only after it expanded to 24 teams uh, in 2016. 
uh, passing the group stage there too, um, and then also reaching the 2020 edition. All right, uh, let's take a look at their World Cup uh, in overview. So their impressive qualification for the 2010 World Cup over Czech Republic, uh, no less, uh, followed a good result in 2006 where they did reach the UEFA playoff, uh, but lost it to Spain. Their second place finish in 2018 qualifying, though, didn't earn them uh didn't earn them a playoff spot and otherwise they finished third or fourth in their qualification campaigns uh, amounting to more than half of those campaigns all right on to euro cup a uh, third or fourth uh is the best they ever achieved in euro qualification until a successful campaign in 2016. generally uh, the opponents finishing ahead of them are respectable uh, even in their fourth place finish uh, behind Ireland in 2008. Uh, but 2012 behind Armenia was some uh, a bit somewhat shameful, I should say. Uh, 2016 was a good response, and they qualified convincingly in second, uh, both passing the group stage there and qualifying for the next cup uh, were not as convincing as it seems, but the results are an improvement over the middling 20 years uh, prior to 2016. All right, and let's move on to our deep dive into uh, uh, Euro Cup qualifying. So their first Euro campaign in 1996 began with a draw against France, and they were uh, strong at home, losing only to top-of-the-table Romania. And that earned them a third-place finish over Poland in the 16 group. Uh, 20, oh, the year 2000 was also a third-place finish, where they did better on the road than at home. So, for example, they tied uh, top finisher Romania um, away, but then they suffered a 5-1 thrashing uh, at their hands in the home leg. So they lost twice to second-place Portugal, but were consistent over the three teams below. So uh, third-place finish for the second time in a row there. Uh, it was third place with almost exactly the same pattern in 2004 losing all to England and Turkey, but besting Macedonia, who finished behind them. In 2008, they dropped the fourth place with a similar pattern, although there were more middling teams to battle with. Uh, that was also part of a large 17 group. Uh, they finished behind Ireland, who bested them, uh, but ahead of Wales, with whom they had an interesting exchange. They won 5-1 in Wales early in the campaign, only to lose 5-2 uh, in the home leg. Um, rivals Czech Republic won that group uh, over Germany. All right. Well, uh, that was fourth place, and so was 2012. Uh, but it, uh, amidst much weaker competition, though, they beat group winner uh, Russia, and this time they tied Ireland twice. But two losses to Armenia saw them finish uh, saw them finish behind Armenia. Uh, they were also unconvincing against Andorra who they only beat one nothing in both legs. Uh, 2016 was far better, at least in the first half of the campaign. Uh, they opened uh, the, the qualification with a win in Ukraine and a home win over Spain. And they went on to win their first six matches, which saw them in first place uh, in the group. Uh, however, they dropped points at the end, losing to Spain, tying Ukraine at home, and worst of all, losing to Belarus at home. Uh, nevertheless, they advanced directly to the Cup in second place, uh, which was their first appearance at the Euros. 
So let's take a close look at their most recent campaign, the Euro Cup 2020. Yeah, Slovakia beat Hungary and Azerbaijan to finish third in qualifying um, ahead of them, but only mustered a home draw against Wales, who they finished behind, and then they lost both to uh, group winner Croatia. Their Nations League record, however, afforded them an opportunity to qualify through a playoff, and after a scoreless draw at home to Ireland in the semi-final, they won on penalties. This brought them to Northern Ireland, uh, where they gave up a late equalizing goal at 87 minutes, but won an extra time to reach the finals. Uh, in the tournament, they started with a win over Poland, but lost to Sweden, and then were hammered 5-0 by Spain to finish third in the, in the uh, group stage. Um, and that goal difference uh, caused them to finish last among third-place finishers, uh, with only the best four of six advancing. So uh, their tournament ended after those three matches. Yeah, not making it through in third place uh, like Portugal uh, did. How about uh, their 2022 World Cup campaign? Uh, Slovakia were bested by both Croatia and Russia, who were the top finishers, uh, earning their draw with Croatia away. Um, they tied both legs with Slovenia, but finished above them, uh, third in the qualifying group. Um, they dropped points with ties in their first two games um, in Cyprus and at home to Malta, um, but then tied five of their games. So it was really a mixed bag qualification. However, they came in as a second seed, but finished behind uh, third seed Russia. Yeah, as you say, kind of a very mixed campaign. Uh, would, would, what would you say in terms of momentum, since we're pursuing that theme uh, for Slovakia, do you see any pattern? I mean, in Euros, qualifying for two cups is positive. Um, but, you know, they're perhaps getting a little bit further away from it in the World Cup. Um, again, a home draw with Malta. Um, they only won four of their 10 games and were, dis you know, were distant um, third place, but quite but eight points behind second. Um, it's tough to say, but perhaps a slight down from where they have been. Yeah, certainly not as clear a pattern as some of the other teams in this group. But let's see if uh, the 2022-23 UEFA Nations League campaign. Uh, well, yes? If, if I was a bit tentative on trajectory, maybe we should have waited until this. Because um, <laughs> this perhaps can, confirms the downward trajectory as, as I see it again. Um, they actually failed to win a game at home. Uh, they picked up wins in Belarus and in Azerbaijan, um, but they lost both games to Kazakhstan, uh, who actually won their League C group, um, and Slovakia finished third or fourth in League C. Um, so really that disastrous um, disastrous uh, performance is what sees them as a pot five team. Um, there's a, there is a pot six, but there's only three teams in it, so pot five is really low. Um and uh, yeah, struggling with teams that they really should be beating. Yeah, I got to say, when I asked you about trajectory, I was uh, kind of focused on the previous campaigns and a bit confused. But I guess the fact that they're in pot five should have uh, tipped us off. <laughs> All right, well, let's finish with a look at their players. And uh, Slovakia actually has lost the services of 35-year-old Marek Hamšík to retirement. Uh, they retained some other veterans, uh, most notably goalkeeper Martin Dubravka of Newcastle, uh, although he's not their starting keeper, 36-year-old uh, uh, Juraj Kuka, and 32-year-old Robert Mack, who is now playing in Australia. 
Uh, most players are with respectable second or third team clubs. The biggest probably into Milan and Napoli, uh, along with Copenhagen, Hamburg, Fulham, um, and of course top clubs in Czech Republic and in Slovakia. So they've done. Uh, they have recently done a great gathering of players through a December 2022 training camp. So they have a massive squad to recruit from, and uh, they seem to be trying out some of these players through friendlies and through these early qualification games. So uh, certainly in terms of players, they're not looking bad, uh, but in terms of performances, um, I don't know, maybe they're trying out these new players and, and don't, uh, you know, aren't that concerned with winning the uh, UEFA Nations League. Yeah, maybe it's about building towards the future. There are some big shoes to fill in, in retirement. Marek Hamzik, uh, most notably. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, that brings us to the end of Slovakia, and we move on to uh, Liechtenstein. Um, their first international game was in 1981, and we'll just look at their participation and achievements. Uh, Liechtenstein uh, actually played that first international game against Malta in Seoul, uh, in Seoul, South Korea in 1981. Not really sure what was uh, what was behind that. Anyway, after withdrawing from the 1994 World Cup, they entered Euro in 1996 and then completed uh, every competition after that. Uh, maybe um, you... Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Liechtenstein are a very weak team due to the tiny size of the country. As we mentioned, it would, wouldn't even fill some stadiums. And they usually finish last in qualifying campaigns but they did manage to avoid last uh, last place once in each competition. That was in 2006 World Cup qualifying and 2016 Euro Cup qualifying. They have three World Cup campaigns where they lost all games, but they generally earn at least a point, uh, their biggest haul being eight points. All right. Well, considering that they're uh, 10 times smaller than even the small Iceland, I think uh, any point is pretty good. Let's take a look at their World Cup in overview. So in 1998 and 2002, they lost all games in World Cup play, but they followed that up with their best campaign in 2006, which saw them earn eight points and finish ahead of Luxembourg, uh, which is a small country, but it's 17 times bigger than them. Uh, they nevertheless came close to that again in World Cup play, earning at best uh, uh, two draws in subsequent campaigns. On to Euro Cup. Yeah, Euro Cup play is notably stronger. They have never lost all games in a qualifying campaign in this competition. Uh, their performance does track uh, in that their best campaign yielded seven points in 2008, making that a relatively strong period. However, they finished last there, and the single campaign where they avoided bottom spot was 2016 where they earned five points. All right. Well, we'll take a bit closer look at those qualifying campaigns in our deep dive. So 1996 was their first campaign, and their only point there was a home draw with Ireland. Uh, they finished a full 11 points behind Latvia, uh, although they only lost um, one nothing in both legs with Latvia. Uh, 2000 was slightly better with a win over Azerbaijan and a draw with Hungary. They finished tied on points with Azerbaijan, but their vastly inferior goal difference, uh, they gave up 3.9 goals per game on average, uh, landed them in last place there. 
2004 opened with a home draw against Macedonia, um, but that would be the only point they would earn. 2008, however, uh, was their best uh, points total earned on home wins uh, over Latvia and Iceland, uh, who they also tied on the road. Uh, despite besting them, though, uh, they finished a point behind Iceland. All right, well, perhaps they can correct that here. Similarly, in 2012, they bested uh, Lithuania for their only points, but they finished in last, though uh, only a point back of Lithuania. In 2016, they managed to avoid last place by, be by besting Moldova and earning a draw with Montenegro. They finished uh, fifth of sixth in that group. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, so let's see if they kept it up uh, in our trajectory theme if they kept it up in Euro 2020 qualifying. Uh, Liechtenstein managed an away draw in Greece, uh, who finished third of six, um, and a home tie with fifth place Armenia in the following campaign. Um, was also a good result. Those both came in the middle of the campaign, uh, but they still finished a distant last of sixth. Um, they had a goal record of two goals scored and 31 against over 10 games. Uh, Italy and Finland topped the group, um, with Bosnia Herzegovina, who they meet here, uh, finishing fourth. All right, so uh, 3.1 goals against per game is still pretty high. Let's see how they did in World Cup 2022 qualifying. They lost uh, all games there except for a tie um, that was com that came on the road in Armenia. Uh, the home leg with Armenia was the only game though that they kept the defeat to a one goal margin. Um, and they finished last of six in the qualifying group. Um, two goals scored, 34 against was their record there. Yeah, so we've uh, kind of noted throughout these qualifications that uh, anything above three is, is pretty high. This is 3.4. Uh, but we saw uh, other weak teams like Andorra kind of managing to get below three. So uh, that makes them seem a little bit weaker. Let's turn to their 2022-23 UEFA Nations League campaign. Uh, there they were in group or in League D. Yeah, the lowest tier, which is a good opportunity for them to play teams of similar strength and even similar size in terms of country. Um, but they lost all six games that they played. Uh, those were games against Moldova, Latvia, and Andorra. Um, so losing home and away, um, pretty poor performance, um, considering that that is an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, to play more competitive matches. Yeah, yeah, they should be doing a little better at this level. And, and like you said, uh, I like this level because it kind of lets us see how they do uh, kind of in comparison with other teams because a lot of these teams just lose all of their games or maybe grab a draw, but you can't really get a sense of how they are in relation to each other. But I think this uh, performance was even a, a little weak, even by Liechtenstein standards. Yeah, and perhaps most alarming was only one goal scored in those uh six matches yeah yeah okay well that uh brings us to the end of their history but we will take a quick look at their players before we move on so uh many of their players uh are with their biggest team uh, uh locally vaduz which plays mostly in the swiss second league uh but sometimes uh vaduz has earned promotion uh to brief periods in the swiss super league uh, others play for minor clubs in Switzerland and Australia, and um, I'm guessing that only a handful of their players are professional. Yeah, Switzerland and Austria, I should uh Oh, what did yeah. I say? You said Australia. Well, maybe it is Australia. 
All right, well, that brings us to the end of the uh, team by team uh, overview. We move on to part three. Uh, and we're going to begin there with looking at the pots that the teams came from. That's right. Um, the pots based on Nations League performance and not World Cup rankings. Um, so the pot one team is Portugal. Uh, they finished second in their Nations League group, so that puts them in the middle of pot one. Uh, the pot two team is Bosnia and Herzegovina. We saw that they were promoted to League A. Um, the pot three team is Iceland. Uh, they were ranked second among uh, all pot three teams. Um, the pot four team is Luxembourg. Uh, they're kind of come from the middle of the pack there. Uh, the pot five team is Slovakia. Um, a bit of a surprise, but they had a very poor Nations League campaign, which is why they find themselves in the same pot as Gibraltar and, and Malta. Um, and then finally, the pot six teams. There's only three of them, um, but Liechtenstein, with their, their ghastly um, Nations League performance, were, were ranked last of all UEFA members. Um, and so make up the pot six team. All right. Well, how strong a group would you say it is based on this? Based on this, uh, a lot of teams come from the middle or top of their pot. So I guess you could argue in one way that it was strong. Um, but I think some of the nation's league performances um, aren't necessarily reflective of their general play. So I think Bosnia and um, Luxembourg certainly put in stronger Nations League performances than is kind of typical of them. Um, Iceland and Slovakia weaker. So, yeah, maybe it averages out. Yeah, I would uh, I would say so, except that uh, Slovakia being the, the pot five team kind of makes it a bit of a tougher group as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, okay, yeah. So they let's, were... uh, sorry, yeah? I was just going to say they were the pot five team no one wanted. Yeah, I would say so, for sure. I mean, as you said, uh, you could have gotten Gibraltar or Malta, and instead you end up with Slovakia in your group. Let's take a look at their rankings, though, in terms of FIFA and ELO. Yeah, so uh, we'll begin with uh, Portugal. Um, they're ranked ninth in FIFA and fifth in uh, ELO, um, and they've actually been um, a top 10 team in the world Um since December 2016, and even then they, they were only 11th. So, um, yeah, consistently top 10 in the world, Portugal. Yes, uh, definitely, though they don't always finish uh, first in their group, as we saw, which we'll probably talk about in the discussion. Yeah, uh, next we have Bosnia-Herzegovina. Um, they're currently 57th in, in uh, FIFA and 59th in ELO. Um, they did get as high as the 20s in both systems around kind of their strong period in 20, um, well, around 2016, but even earlier than that when they qualified for the World Cup in 2014. So they have seen a bit of a decline um, since then. Yeah, yeah, certainly that's their trajectory uh, over the last little while. Uh, we move on to Iceland. Yeah, and it's a similar story for Iceland. They're currently 63rd in FIFA and 72nd in ELO, so lower than Bosnia. But like Bosnia, they peaked into the 20s in both systems during their back-to-back uh, -back World Cup and Euro qualifications and have fallen kind of steadily since then. Yeah, but as you pointed out earlier, kind of fallen only to kind of where they were before their their strong period. So um, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Okay, Luxembourg. Yeah, Luxembourg are currently 92nd in both systems. 
Um, it's actually the first time they've been over 100 in both systems. Um, so perhaps, again, that paints an upward trajectory uh, 10 trend. Uh, they've always been a little bit higher in the FIFA rankings than the ELO rankings, um, but both have shown um, kind of steady improvement. They were around the 150th mark just six years ago. Yeah, and now we move on to Slovakia, where it becomes uh, really clear that uh, them being a pot five team is a bit of a, a misplacement. Yeah, pot five, but um, second overall among all these teams in, in FIFA rankings at 54th. Uh, they're a little bit behind at 64th in the ELO rankings. Um, and actually, this is a historical low for them in terms of recent times. Uh, they've often been in the 30s and 40s, uh, even the 20s at times. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is a drop uh, from their historical kind of average, you would say, um, but really compounded by some poor results recently. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, close to uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, second in FIFA, third just behind them in uh, in um, ELO rankings, but it sets up a, a kind of a good uh, battle between them. Yeah. Finally, Liechtenstein. Uh, Liechtenstein um, are 198th in uh, FIFA and 190th uh, in ELO. So they're about 100 spots lower than even Luxembourg, wow. um, who, you know, face value kind of may seem similar. Um, and this is actually a, a downward trend for Liechtenstein. Um, they've, this is kind of a low point over the last decade for, for uh, in both ranking systems for Liechtenstein. They were never tremendously high, but they were as high as uh, 130 in FIFA in December 2014, and have been in uh, the 180s and 170s um, for much of the last decade. Yeah, so uh, anyway, you slice it, they're, they're the weakest team in this group. Next, we're going to uh, look at head-to-head -to, -head to see if that offers uh, a different perspective. And uh, here we begin with the, or we kind of organize it according to the team with the winning record. That's right. Um, and Portugal have played all other five teams in this group, so that gives us some good information to go off. Um, Portugal has played Bosnia uh, four times and has won three and tied the other. Yeah, and that's pretty interesting. It was the uh, 2010 uh, World Cup and 2012 Euro Cup qualifying. They met in the regional playoff in both, and uh, Portugal uh, won them both. But in 2012, they actually tied uh, in the first leg, and then Portugal thrashed them 6-2 in the second leg. So a bit of an interesting history there. Yeah, very meaningful matches. Um, Portugal versus Iceland, they've met three times. Um, Portugal won two, and they tied the other. Yeah, that's also recent meetings, 2012 uh, qualifying. And in 2016 uh, group stage, uh, Iceland not only tied them, uh, but finished ahead of them uh, in the group. Right. Uh, Portugal and Luxembourg have met 12 times. Portugal's won 11, but Luxembourg has one win to their name. Yeah, that's right. And uh, one of them is that 1962 World Cup. Uh, win by Luxembourg. I think that gave them their first uh, competitive win in international soccer. They met, most recently met in 2022. Um, uh, and in 2020 also, uh, Portugal won all four meetings. Yeah. Portugal and Slovakia, they've met four times and Portugal has a record of three wins and a draw. Yeah, less to say about this one. Uh, they met in 2000 and 2006, so not so relevant. And then uh, Portugal has played Liechtenstein uh, 
six times and has won five tying the other. Yeah, and their last meeting was in 2006 also. So let's look at uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina here. Uh, Bosnia has never met Iceland, um, but they have met Luxembourg four times and won all four. 2012, their most recent meeting. Uh, versus Slovakia, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina have an even record. It's a win, uh, a win apiece. Yeah, and interestingly, that was in 2014 World Cup qualifying where they exchanged wins, but both of them won away. Yeah. And then Bosnia has played Liechtenstein uh, six times um, and won all six of those matches. Yeah, most recently in 2020 Euro qualifying there. Okay, and on to Iceland. Uh, Iceland uh, has met Luxembourg twice. Uh, a win and a draw were the results. And that was in 1994. Uh, Iceland have not yet played Slovakia, um, but Iceland have played Liechtenstein. Um, they have four wins, but also a draw and a loss. That's right. Uh, but in 2022 World Cup qualifying, Iceland won both legs. Uh, okay, Slovakia. All right, so Slovakia versus Luxembourg. Four wins from four games for Slovakia. Yeah, last meeting in 2016. Um, it's a less than perfect record against Liechtenstein, though. Six wins and two draws. Yeah, and that draw came in their last meeting in their 2014 World Cup qualifying. So Slovakia uh, may be um, a bit immunized there. And the last one we look at is Liechtenstein. Yeah, Liechtenstein versus Luxembourg is our last matchup. And uh, Pot 6 Liechtenstein have the winning record. That's right, and that actually should be... Uh down here so that actually uh, adds a bit of interest uh, to the battle at the bottom yeah uh two wins for Liechtenstein coming in 2006 world cup qualifying yeah that's right uh okay um next is the odds and uh what are the odds makers saying here uh the odds to win the group while well, they're heavily slanted towards portugal at 89 percent um bosnia herzegovina are second with 10 percent uh, matched by Slovakia at 7.7%. Um, I realize it doesn't equal uh, 100%, but we kind of balance from different odds makers. Mm. Uh, that's why. Um, the fourth favorite are Iceland to win the group at 4.7%, so an outside chance. And then Luxembourg have just a 0.4% chance, uh, Liechtenstein 0.1% chance. All right. Let's begin that discussion uh, with those odds. Do you see... Portugal as commanding as uh, as the odds make out? Well, historically, Portugal haven't always won their groups. Um, and even recently, and you know, they didn't win their, their World Cup group. Um, however, this time around, I do see them as the most likely winner. 89% maybe a little high, but I, I'm not quite sure I see a challenger being consistent enough to, to knock them off the first place perch. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I mean, the teams that, that might challenge them, uh, I mean, all three teams, Slovakia, Bosnia, Herzegovina and Iceland are all on a bit of a downward trajectory. And, you know, they'll be kind of battling amongst each other, taking points off each other. So I don't think any of them can really mount a campaign uh, to challenge Portugal. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing is the three teams you mentioned, um, are all on downward trajectories. They've all had poor campaigns recently in Euro or World Cup or Nations League or some combination of all of that. So, um, you know, coming down from from highs really 
um, of all making big tournaments within the last 10 or so years. Um, so I think it's interesting. I think opportunity knocks for all three of these teams, but um, you, it, you can't really look at the form guide to say, you know, which, which one of these three teams is, is going to take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to kind of look at the quality of players as, as far as that goes. And I mean, on that note, to kind of finish with Portugal, I think they will drop a few points uh, here. I think they have dropped points to to a lot of these teams. So, um, uh, you know, and, and then maybe uh, the, the teams they drop points to will will gain an advantage over that group of three. Um do you uh, favor Bosnia and Herzegovina slightly uh, above Slovakia as the odds makers do? Um, I'm not sure I do. I, I know Slovakia had are you know artificially low compared to their world rankings. Um, I see them generally as a stronger team than Bosnia, and I think their their recent form might be more of a blip that they may be able to recover from. I see that being a little bit more likely than Bosnia. Um, perhaps on a downward, partly because their last generation was really largely led by Ed and Jekko, who is, um, you know, and, and some other key players too, who aren't in the picture as much, or if they are, they're aging. So I'd probably slightly favor Slovakia out of that group. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of an interesting comparison. I mean, the loss of Ed and Jekko on Bosnia and Herzegovina to say Marek Hamšík yeah. on uh, Slovakia, it does seem like a bit of a bigger loss uh, to, to Bosnia Herzegovina. Yeah, you make a good point though. Slovakia are also having to recover from the loss of, I think, their all time appearance maker and goal scorer. So it, it's not easy for some of these kind of smaller or mid side countries to do. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, uh, uh, if we're throwing Iceland into the discussion, which I don't really, because I feel like Bosnia and Herzegovina and Slovakia both have more potential to recover than Iceland, uh, you know, in terms of lost players. Um, uh, I, I just don't see them recovering. Uh, I mean, obviously, one of these teams is going to finish second, so we'll recover to a, to a point. I don't think that's going to be Iceland. Yeah, and I think when you look at the remaining squad, you know, looking at players, you know, players from Bosnia and Slovakia are on more kind of mid-sized um, or even second or third tier clubs than, than Iceland have. Uh, yeah, really, Iceland is 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 kind of left uh, bereft of of players, whereas I think uh, the other two teams have players kind of, uh, you know, coming up or or a stronger ability to to replace. Yeah, what about Luxembourg, one of the teams on an upward trajectory? Do you see them uh, influencing matters? Uh, influencing matters, yes, I think they will uh, by by taking points. I mean, they could kind of dictate who finishes. Uh, fourth, you know, for example, if they take a couple of points off of uh, Iceland or off of the, one of the other teams, that that could end up seeing them finish in fourth in the group. How about you? I, I definitely see them taking points off these teams. None of these teams are, are you know, solidly established as second-tier clubs in Europe. And, and Luxembourg has been taking points off some of those second- and third-tier teams. So I think these are... Luxembourg will have a lot of games to prove themselves, and I think they'll they'll rise to the challenge in at least a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, I do see Luxembourg as a as a bit of a spoiler team 
uh, here they've kind of again trajectory right uh, trajectory wise <laughs> risen to that level um uh i'm not sure Liechtenstein have do you see i mean the the odds are 0.4 luxembourg 0.1 uh, Liechtenstein, which is a relatively big difference, uh, uh, putting Liechtenstein in the bottom for sure. Yeah, I, I don't really see another scenario other than a Liechtenstein than other than Liechtenstein finishing last. Um, Do you see Liechtenstein getting any spoiler results? Uh, even even beating Luxembourg like they did in two thousand and six. I mean, the interesting part about the history of Liechtenstein is they always seem to get at least a point. They're, they're very rarely shot out. So I, I think they'll probably continue that record. Not sure who it'll be against. It could be a, you know, a, a relatively bigger fish than Luxembourg, but obviously that is probably the most likely opportunity for them. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm not sure I have anything to add here, but I am a bit frustrated with your lack of commitment uh, here. So I ask you, uh, who or how is this group going to end? This is a tough one. Uh, Portugal, I think, have the quality to to comfortably win this group. Um, I am going to say Slovakia uh, just ahead of Bosnia in second place. Um, I say Iceland fourth. Um, on, the, on the really bad end for Iceland, they could be competing with Luxembourg for, for fourth and fifth. I see that as a possibility. But I'll say Iceland fourth, Luxembourg fifth, and Liechtenstein in last. Okay, well, we're actually uh, uh, dead the same here because everything I was going to say, uh, you said too. I think uh, Slovakia and Bosnia Herzegovina are a good, uh, a good battle for second, but I give Slovakia the edge. And and as you said, I think uh, further slippage from Iceland could land them in a battle with Luxembourg. Although uh, going in, I would I would uh, pick Iceland over Luxembourg. All right, well, we do have uh, uh, some games to look at. The March games have been played, and I have been keeping myself in the dark uh, on the results, whereas Connor knows the results. So we're going to play a little game of predictions here and see how I do. Yeah, so the first match is Bosnia at home to Iceland. Yeah, well, uh, Bosnia at home, I think, definitely uh, gives them the edge, and we, we kind of gave them the overall edge there. So um, I think that's going to be 2-1 uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Uh, it was 3 nothing for Bosnia, so slightly more convincing than, than you predicted. Yeah, it was, and um, it's kind of what I've... What I worry about Iceland, that uh, they'll, they'll come out looking very weak. I hope they don't, but uh, uh, what's next? Next, we have Portugal at home to Liechtenstein. So perhaps the most imbalanced match <laughs> of all. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll just say uh, for nothing Portugal here. Not much to discuss. For nothing, not much. Oh, to discuss, really? Uh, afterwards, yeah. All you right. Know, I, I might have predicted worse, but uh, Liechtenstein, you know, that's not that's not horrible. Yeah, yeah, definitely in the away game as well. And, yeah, what does that leave us? Um, Finally, we have uh, fifth pot or pot five Slovakia at home to pot four Luxembourg. Yeah, well, I'm not going to go by the pots here. I think Slovakia is a much stronger team than Luxembourg. I think there is an outside chance of Luxembourg taking points, but I I think I would predict that more at home than away. So I'm going to say 2 nothing Slovakia. Uh, it actually was nil-nil. So oh, for for Luxembourg here on the road. 
we saw that they were a good road team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I agree that points at home are more likely, but it's not out of character for them to pick up points away from home. Right, and, uh, you know, maybe we're wrong in uh, predicting that Slovakia is going to bounce back from their downward trend. Uh, that's a, a pretty bad uh, continuation of their poor form recently. All right, we move on to round two then, beginning with Liechtenstein at home to Iceland. Uh, well, you said Liechtenstein gets points every tournament, and I think this is probably one of their best chances to do it. Uh, I'm just wondering if I'm bold enough to predict it, but I think I won't be. I think I'm going to say 2-1 Iceland here. Uh, this game actually wasn't competitive at all. It was 7 nothing for Iceland. Whoa! Well, that's a, a bit of a comeback from their uh, uh, initial loss there. Hopefully that gives them a bit of confidence, but... Uh, it's just beating up on the little guys, really. But for Liechtenstein, I mean, even there we saw on a, on a bit of a downward trajectory and, uh, you know, losing 7 nothing to, to Iceland. You know, this could be a worrying campaign for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a, that's, that's a pretty bad result at home. Uh, next, we have Luxembourg at home to Portugal. Well, you know, I mean, this looks like a, a you know, top team against a, an almost bottom team. But honestly, I really wouldn't be surprised. I think Portugal uh, is a bit inconsistent and maybe takes games like this for granted. So uh, will I be bold enough to predict the tie? Well, no, I wouldn't be shocked by it. I'll say 2 nothing Portugal, but I won't be shocked by a tie. Um, this was not a tie. This was another hit, uh, big away win. It was 6 nothing for Portugal. Uh, well, I uh, sound like an idiot now. <laughs> okay. I, I think in fairness, Portugal can, on their day, can hammer pretty much six past anyone. With the oh, yeah, absolutely. They did it 6-1 uh, over Switzerland in the, in the World Cup. Yeah. Okay, now uh, the remaining match uh, is a good matchup, hey? Yeah, Slovakia at home to Bosnia, uh, possibly a very important one. Yeah, well, I, I think I initially chose Slovakia both because they were at home and I considered them a little strong, uh, stronger. But now that I've seen that they tied Luxembourg at home, I'm uh, being a bit doubtful. So I'm going to change from a 2-1 Slovakia win to a 1-1 draw. Um, in the end, it was 2 nothing for Slovakia. Oh, geez, I'm doing terribly in my predictions here. <laughs> okay. Well, now we can turn the tables and uh, uh, we have the June games which haven't been played yet. And I'm going to ask you to predict. We have Luxembourg at home to Liechtenstein. I, I think there is a, you know, a bigger gulf between these teams than there was when, when Liechtenstein did the double over them um, previously. So I'm going to say 2 nothing Luxembourg. Uh, yeah, and I'm actually even going to increase that to 3 nothing because uh, Liechtenstein have looked... Uh, you know, even even weaker than usual here. Yeah. Uh, we have Iceland at home to Slovakia. Uh, this is an intriguing one. I, I think Iceland's not an easy place to go and, you know, has been a fortress in the past. But despite their big win, I, I, I worry that the, the Iceland that lost to Bosnia 3 nothing will show up. Uh, I'm actually going to say Slovakia 2-1. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I certainly wouldn't pick Iceland as the winner. I was thinking of a 1-1 a one -one draw here. Uh, again, I mean, Slovakia tied Luxembourg, but maybe that's behind them now. Um, huh, what will I do? I will say, uh, I'll go 1-1 one -one just to be different, but I definitely favour Slovakia. All right. 
And then what's the last match? Uh, that is Portugal versus Bosnia-Herzegovina. I believe they're first and second at this point. Um, Slovakia are second, having beaten Bosnia. Oh, okay, that's right. Um, yeah, I um, at home, I, I, if Bosnia was at home, I could see a possibility of drop points, but I don't really see Portugal dropping points here. Um, I'm going to say three to one, Portugal. Yeah, again, I think Portugal is sometimes inconsistent enough that they could drop points at home, but I wouldn't predict it. I just wouldn't really be surprised if it happened. So I'm going to say 2-1 Portugal on that. All right. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, of not only this group, but of our um, Euro Cup predictions. So... I think, uh, Connor, next we're going to move on to uh, CONCACAF and we'll be looking at the uh, uh, the teams for the uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup this summer. All right. Well, it was great. We uh, I think we went through 53 teams um, during this series. So it was, it was great. It was great to walk through it and I look forward to the next one. All right. We'll finish the podcast today with a look back on what we have covered until now with a particular focus on which media casts are still relevant. Uh, Following that, no wait, prior to that, we're going to look at what is upcoming over the rest of the year, because I think that uh, may be of more interest. So uh, we'll put a graphic up with all of this information, both uh, past, current and present, on the YouTube version, and we'll also include it in the show notes. So... um, Let's take a look at upcoming series. So right now we're on series 14, and I'll give a bit more information about that too. But series 15 will be a shorter version of series 14, the uh, 2024 Euro qualifying series. So rather than the detailed history, uh, it'll have a short summary of each team in the group and a section on their recent form. So from there, uh, part three of series 14, Uh, will be the same in both the short and long series. That's a comparison of teams through rankings, odds and head-to-head records, as well as Kevin O'Connor's discussion and ending with a review of the first two sets of games that were played in March 2023. Uh, After this uh, Euro 2024 qualifying, 16 and 17, series 16 and 17, will be a preview of the 2023 Gold Cup uh, that tournament is set to start on June 24th, 2023. So we plan to put out uh, those podcasts or those media casts in late May or early June. So Series 16 will focus on the groups and teams and Series 17 will focus on the players of each team. Uh, qualification is actually taking place through the CONCACAF uh, Nations League currently. Uh, but we don't intend to do a series on qualification for the CONCACAF Gold Cup there. Uh, During the summer, we are planning a series on uh, CONMEBOL, that's uh, South American World Cup 2026 qualifying. That begins in September 2023. Uh, We also may get an early start on Asian Cup 2023, uh, although that's due to start uh, later in January 2024. Uh, In the fall, we're going to preview the early rounds of AFC World Cup 2026 qualifying. Uh, That'll take place in October and November, so we'll do it uh, prior to that. And this will actually give us a first look at some of the weaker teams in the Asian region, which we haven't covered uh, yet. 
Uh, also, we will preview the 2023 African Cup. Uh, it is called that, even though it's due to start in January 2024. So those are the upcoming series. And now let's take a look at our current series. So the current media cast. We call it a media cast because it's available with visuals on YouTube and it's available as a podcast. Uh, and you can find it on most podcast catchers or on our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. We'll also put up a graphic uh, uh, with that on it. Um, so the current series is series 14, and that's a preview of the groups in Euro 2024 qualifying. And this gives us a chance to get to know teams that we, uh, don't often make it to the tournaments. So it features a deep dive into the Euro Cup qualifying histories of the team. And uh, we started actually after the first round of games in March 2023 to make it a bit more interesting. So as uh, mentioned, we'll follow that with uh, Series 15. That's a shortened version of Euro 2024 qualifying because um, some members of the audience don't want such a deep dive. Now let's look back at our previous media cast series. And these are still relevant to various degrees. And uh, well, they tend to be relevant uh, in reverse order. So we'll actually kind of go uh, backwards in time here. So series 10 to 13 were all based on the 2022 World Cup. Series 10 was an eight part uh, group by group preview of the 14 groups in the tournament. It featured a deep dive into the World Cup finals history of each team. Series 11 was a 32 part uh, team by team uh, preview of players in World Cup 2022. So we didn't know at the time which players would be selected. So we went through uh, the candidates for each position and gave information about them. So that'll still be relevant for a lot of the teams. Uh, series 12 actually featured uh, shortened versions of each of series 10 and 11. So a shorter version on the teams and on the players. And then th series 13 was a 25 part review or uh, update of the Team by Team uh, Players podcast. And it was published after the teams had selected their squads for the finals. So it went through the candidates that we had discussed in Series 11 and introduced any new players that made it to the final squad. Unfortunately, we, unfortunately, we ran out of time before finishing all 32 teams. And I particularly regret that in the case of Ghana, because they brought a lot of new players in that were not considered in our Series 11 preview uh, of the Ghana players. Anyway, these World Cup podcasts, especially the player ones, are still relevant because the squads haven't changed that much. Uh, we, we will be doing future player podcasts before each major tournament. So uh, going back before that, Series 9 is actually probably the most relevant. It was a 12-part preview of the uh, African Cup 2023 qualifying groups. Um, it's still called African Cup 2023. It was originally set to take place that year, or this year, I should say, but now it's been moved to January 2024. Um, so qualification games were also postponed and uh, the qualification is still unfinished. So uh, as I said, that makes it uh, still quite relevant. Series 7 and 8 were both based on the 2021 African Cup, which took place in January 2022. 
uh, that's good for a look at some of the smaller African teams who made it to the expanded cup. Uh, series 7 was a six-part overview of the teams in African Cup 2021 uh, or in 2022. It's confusing. It's still called African Cup 2021, but it took place in, in January 2022. Uh, while the overviews were repeated in Series 9, this did feature, uh, feature a deep dive into the African Cup Finals history of the participants. Um, Okay, uh, Series 8 was a 24-part team-by-team uh, preview of the players for the African Cup. Uh, for the African teams that made the 2022 World Cup, uh, the player podcasts will be updated, uh, but for the smaller teams, they won't be. So for many teams, it remains the uh, most relevant. And uh, it has soccer information that doesn't seem to exist uh, in other media accounts, as far as I know. Okay, uh, I'm moving back before that. Series 4 and 6 uh, focused on the CONCACAF regions, specifically the 18 final round of qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Um, series 4 was an eight-part look at each team and their players in the final round and it featured a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualification history. It also had a team-by-team -team preview of the players uh, in CONCACAF there. Uh, it really should have been a separate series number, to be honest, but nevertheless, the current players on the squad were examined uh, for each of the eight teams. Uh, series 6 was a mid-round update of that CONCACAF uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying campaign. So uh, series four and six kind of go together. Okay, series five, that's in between the two CONCACAF series, um, was a preview of the Asian uh, World Cup qualifying final round. So this was just a two-part series on each of the 16 groups that made it to the final round of World Cup qualifying in the Asian region. So this remains relevant for all Asian teams that didn't reach the World Cup, but for Iran, Japan, South Korea, and Saudi Arabia, as uh, Series 10 uh, in their World Cup um, introduction is more current. Series 3 was a four-part preview for the groups for Gold Cup 2021 in the CONCACAF region. And this remains relevant for some of the smaller teams in the tournament, but again, those who participated in the World Cup um, uh, were updated um, after that. Series 2 uh, was a two-part preview of the groups for Copa America 2021 in the South American region. So that, again, remains relevant for the smaller teams in the region, but the teams that made the World Cup were updated in Series 10. And our first series uh, was a preview of the 2020 Euro Cup played in 2021. Again, uh, teams that reached the 2022 World Cup were updated there. Um, and it, it did feature a deep dive into uh, Euro Cup finals history. So, um, uh, again, for the smaller teams that uh, we haven't covered since, it remains relevant. Okay, I think that brings us to the end. So, uh, keep your eye out for the graphics on the show notes or uh, on the YouTube. And I hope to join us for the upcoming series and uh, 
even go back and review some of the old series until we update them again. Bye-bye.